0: Now, I don't know if you've ever felt like you missed out on something in life. Uh, I have. Uh, when I was young, the Fred's Pass show used to be running every year, which it is still now. So that's a rural show for anyone who doesn't know. And uh, back then, it was a little bit different than it is now. It was probably a little bit wilder. You've got to imagine that, you know, when I was a kid, it was dirt roads around here. There was, Howard Spring Shop didn't really exist when we first moved out. Palmerston didn't even exist. It was just dirt. And there's lots of bush kids <laughs> that we lived out here. And, and they had a show called the Fred's Pass Show, which we used to go to. And they'd have these amazing events. They're like, um, has anyone heard of the greasy pole? Yeah, you got to try and climb this pole with grease all over it. And if you get it up there, you get a prize. They'd have tractors versing backhoes in tug-of-war competition and trenches. It was actually quite amazing because trenches are very powerful, we found out. they they're very powerful. I remember once <laughs> one of the backos just about lost its wheels um, during that struggle. And there's another event which was amazing, and it's called the Greasy Pig. Has anyone ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah, the Greasy Pig. Well, I'm pretty sure it's been outlawed <laughs> by RSPCA. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit wild. So what they do is, you know, because we're in the rural area, everyone wants a piglet, Right? So we can grow it up and eat it. That's, that's the hard facts, guys. You eat pigs. That's the way it goes out here in the rural area. They're not pets like you see on TV where they walk them around the street and patting them. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine them on a spit with an apple in their mouth sort of thing. So we've actually got a picture. It's like a third world country. Me and my sister sitting in a sandpit sort of wearing jocks, you know, as you do as your kid. Uh, bananas in the background and bush and dad's got this pig hanging up right next to the sand pit, gutting it. Yeah, it's awesome. That was not the greasy pig that I, I, I'm i about to tell you about. <laughs> anyway, as you can imagine, everyone gets all excited and being, you know, the bush kids we are, we'd take off our t-shirts, there'd be this greasy pig that we're going to catch because we don't want to get uh, too too much grease on us and they'd smother it in oil or butter or something like that. Um, and there'd be this big bunch of screaming kids chasing after this little piglet. So they'd let it go, and you can imagine the piglet be like <coughs> running around trying to get away from these kids, and they'd be piling on. And then someone would jump up with a two year old in their arms. Whoops, <laughs> wrong, wrong animal. And yeah, and, and you'd see this little pig run out from underneath it. Anyway, one day I actually managed to grab this greasy pig, and I had it in my arms. And someone took it off me. <laughs> Still, no, it wasn't that bad. But they did. And um, I felt so ripped off, you know. And I just wanted to let you know something, that with each one of us, that God has given you a special gift and you aren't going to lose it. God wants you to have these gifts. He wants you to walk in the, the great things that he has for you and, more importantly, for the body. And sometimes it's a little bit like that. You know, we, we often hear about these spiritual gifts, don't we, like as Christians. And, and so often, if we had a, a class in the past on spiritual gifts, that would be the one that regularly people would sign up for. I want to know my gift. I want to know what my place is in the kingdom of God. And it sometimes seems a little bit elusive, doesn't it? It's like we're all hoarding together. Oh, there's a gift class. Let's jump in that class, and then the gifts sort of runs out the door, and and we're left there holding nothing. But that's not how God wants it to be. Now, you might have heard before about some gifts we're going to talk about in a little while, which which as Christian people we call fivefold gifts at times. So, fivefold is just a, a complicated term for those of us who live in the real world, what's a fivefold gift? Is that where you get origami and you're folding paper five times and there's a crane? No, <laughs> it's not that. Fivefold just means there's five things that God gave to the church that we often hold in very high regard and we should as as a gift. But I wonder sometimes if maybe we miss the mark in terms of what these gifts are for, and perhaps each one of you might be able to walk in one of these gifts in, in, a, in a measure, according to the grace that Christ has for you. So we'll often think so if you're not a Christian here, you'll hear these terms around Christian circles are uh, a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, an apostle. And you'd be going, what does that mean? And to be honest, most of us would probably be the same today. People that have been in church for many, many years will hear those those terms, apostle, prophet, pastor, and and we'd be sitting there going, what does that really actually mean? We sort of get it. Like you might think, oh, yeah, Pastor Neil, he's a pastor. It's not actually necessarily, as Matt was talking about, the gift that is the most prominent in my life, but it's something that I'm definitely called to do at this church and it probably is my most prominent gifting that i have so we're going to look at just the meaning of those words what do they actually mean just in a very short little definition of what those things mean but as we've been looking at gifts you've you've noticed that there's been different gifts showing up you know but it's not exhaustive okay so we don't want to hold god back from oh what paul listed in the bible in those letters is all the gifts that there really is. If I don't have one of those gifts, I've got nothing. If there was an exhaustive list, then it would be exactly the same in each passage, right? We'd say, these are the gifts, and then in the next letter he wrote, these are the gifts, and we'd read them and go, oh yeah, they're all exactly the same. But I don't think God would like to uh, minimise the gifts that we can have. They're just examples that Paul gave as he was writing to them. So they're not exhaustive lists. So if we look at the gifts that we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's sort of about gifts falling on certain individuals at a moment in time. So that was really talking about gathered worship. So when we read the letter to the Corinthians, it's about the gathered worship. What happens? We should be expecting the Holy Spirit to show up and for gifts to be evident that someone might prophesy, that someone might give a tongue that someone might have this word of knowledge or wisdom that they're speaking. Romans 12, when we looked at that, is more about the gifts of sacrifice and service. So as he's writing to the church in Rome, Paul's going, you guys have got a real problem here. You've got this ethnic battle happening between the Jews and the Gentiles. You've got all these things happening. But I want to tell you something, that God has given each one of you a gift to serve one another. And both these books were written to specific churches that were facing certain problems and, and um, circumstances at the time. But what we're looking at today in the book of Ephesians as we look at chapter 4 isn't written to just one church in a moment in time. This is written to a whole province, like the province of Asia. That is to say, hey, guys, I want to tell you something about the church universal. There's some special gifts that God has given to the church. And he wants to share the actual role that these people have. What's the role of these gifts rather than the function? So thinking more of a a role, not a tool, whereas so many of the other gifts are a tool to actually help you in the role that God has given you. So let's begin by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 to 8. Make every effort... ...to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ... That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So what are we noticing about this? First of all, that the gifts that we have are only available to us through the generosity and the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. Again, as we we look back over the last weeks, we've been talking about that, that every person that has a gift, it's nothing to do... About you, it's not a reflection of how good you are or what you deserve. It's a reflection of how good God is, that He wants to bless the people that call Him by name, with gifts that would help them in service and in loving Him. So you'll notice that in uh, if you've got a newsletter, there are some fill-ins, guys. I didn't sort of point that out at the beginning, but if you want to write anything in there, there's three fill-in things to do. The first thing is, it is the generosity and grace of Christ that allows us to have gifts. It's only because of him. The other thing to notice there is that he says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. Why is this important? Because as we begin to look at what we call the fivefold ministries, which are the ones I mentioned before, this doesn't say to the leaders of the churches he has given these gifts, does it? There's no other gifts mentioned in this passage at all, just the gifts that we're about to look at. And it says... He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. They're grace gifts, nothing to do with ourselves, all to do with God. Just as when we received Jesus Christ to to save us, it was a grace gift. We did nothing to deserve forgiveness from God. But it was his great love that sent Jesus so that we could be born again and saved and brought into the kingdom of God. Unmerited favor. Let's go on so verse 9 to 12 notice that it says he ascended this clearly means christ also descended into our lowly world and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself now these are the gifts christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. So, what are the gifts that are given to the church to help it? That's what we call the fivefold gifts that are read out there. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Some people like to put pastors and teachers as one. I don't think it really matters too much, to be honest. But there are two things there. So there's five gifts all up. And these five gifts seem to be the elements that are needed to prepare the people of God for service and to build up the church of Christ. And it's each person receives a portion of grace to fulfill a ministry role role as one of these. So what I'm trying to, to say to you is today that it's very possible and I think highly likely that each one of you has one of these gifts operating in their life to different degrees. But they're not all mature yet. The gifts aren't mature in you. So if we think back to the, to the, uh, the story that Jesus told about the talents where, where there's three servants, they were given a certain amount of money and they had to do something with it and two used the money wisely, one didn't and, and the master wasn't very happy with him at all. The thing I want to say here is that the two people that did something with what God gave them or the master gave them in the parable were given something very special. When we think of reward, what do you think of? I don't know. You might think, oh, maybe there'll be a bonus at the end of something or I'll get a bonus or it's like a gift. But guess what the gift is that we get in the kingdom of God? When we use our gifts well, it says, enter into my joy. So we get to enter into the joy of the Father. But it says, now I'm giving you more responsibility. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think that's not really a good reward, right? It's like, what? More responsibility? What I've got is just right. I don't need any more than that. But this is the way the kingdom operates. If we all have a gift and we're meant to nurture it and grow in it, as we are faithful with the gift that God has given us, then we get rewarded with more responsibility. So I'm hoping that throughout my lifetime, I've had this pastoral gift of my life, Which I'm going to explain shortly. But I hope that I didn't just decide one day and wake up, and in fact, I know I didn't because I was there. Um, I didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to pastor a church, and I'd never had anything in my life before that had shown anything to do with that. But it's a growing thing. Now, as much as I believe I was called as a pastor at 19, I never pastored a church till I was 40. No big deal. But during that time, God gave me opportunities to look after people, to pastor them, to shepherd them. And I took those opportunities and I did what God asked me to do to the very best of my ability. I'm sure I missed it at times. I'm sure I didn't walk into the, the things that God had for me every single time. But I would lean into that gifting that's on me and not neglect it. Now, going back to if each one of us has one of these gifts in our life, That means that God is asking us to operate in that gift within the body. The truth is that if I am the only pastor in this church with a pastoral gift, this church will die. I've got an oversight, but I could be a teacher and have oversight. I could be an evangelist and have oversight of this church. But without people who have a pastoral gift in their life walking in that gift, there's going to be neglect of the sheep. Without the gift of a prophet speaking into people's lives, there's going to be a ne- neglect of a gift. Without an evangelist sharing the good news and helping others to do it, there's going to be a neglect. Because the truth is that these ministry gifts are so that the church can grow up and mature. So the five gifts of grace, like I said before, they, they seem to be the elements needed that prepare people for service and building up the church. So it is vital that these gifts are operating within the church, that each one of us is saying, I recognise this is one of my big gifts and I need to use it. But, you see, a, a church should not be built on just a pastoral call. Because the gifts to the church are what? Five, right? We need people that are apostolic. We need prophetic. We need evangelistic people We need pastors and we need teachers because that is the completeness of what God gave the church. And we are so used to in our society of being very heavily pastor and teacher focused when it comes to church. Would you agree? We are. Is that a bad thing? No, because we want people to stay together. But it's not the fullness of what God wants for the body. And so if we can somehow activate these other gifts within the body, which should be activated, then the body will function better, more healthily, and people will feel like my gift is needed. Because what happens is that, that we can often think that one gift is most important, but it's not. It's the working together. Let's keep reading verse 13 and 14. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. I'll keep reading on, or that might not be on the screen. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, and he makes it fit perfectly together. You see, the result is that when these gifts are used for the body, something amazing happens. It brings maturity and stability to Christians. Why are they all needed? Let's have a look at the different ones. But let's look at these different gifts that are in there. So we've got apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. What do those things mean? Now, if you have been around church for any amount of time and I said, what's an apostle? You might go, well, you know, there's the disciples, they became the apostles, they saw Jesus after he'd risen from the dead and some other people were as well. But this is what apostle means. It's, it means one who is sent. And usually, these people are visionary type people. They're breaking new ground all the time. So, when I look through the church, there's certain people that I see that throughout their life they've displayed this characteristic. You know, they're the sort of people that go, We've got to start a new church. We've got to build. We've got to grow. We've got to look to the future. And they head towards it. My dad, he's one of those people. Throughout his life, I've seen him continually plant churches with other people, grow the churches with the anti-Christian schools, starting those organizations. There's, there's people like that amongst us here right now, and you have that sort of thinking, we, we need to do something. They're sent out. They're not sent out in their own power, but they're sent out with the, with the authority and the agreement of the congregation behind them. They pray for them, and off they go. So Paul was an apostle in the Bible. He went out and he started churches. He began and built them, but then he'd usually hand them over to someone. Why is that? Because his job had been finished. A prophet. a prophet is one who listens to God and tells forth revelation. So our, our picture of a prophet might be someone dressed in camel's hair, getting up here and thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but that's not what it means. It's someone who is, has a, seems to have this ear that, that listens to God and they bring forth something and they can look and see things ahead of time. And often they'll have a creative solution for it. Yes, they do bring the word of God spoken. But if you would like to learn more about that, in our classes you'll learn more. What's a, what's a mature prophet? What's an immature prophet? What's the difference? Because when any of these are pushed forward in immaturity, they actually damage the church. Evangelist. Evangelist is one who brings good news and spreads the message of Christ readily. Now, you might think that's me. Whenever I'm in a social situation, it always seems to turn to Jesus. With the people I'm with, all these non-Christians, they gather around me. I love them and I talk to them. Maybe you've got that gift. The The pastor, one who shepherds God's people with a tender heart. So these sort of people love to gather. They love people to feel loved. They love them to be doing well. And again, when it's done in immaturity, it just turns over to... Chaplaincy, let me look after you but never challenge you. The last one, a teacher, one who holds forth the truth and is excited by it. The teacher looks for ways to explain, enlighten and apply truth. Maybe that's you. Maybe as soon as you hear about something about the word of God, you're like, man, I just love that. Oh, I'm thinking of this picture. This is how we could explain it. Oh, if I only had a whiteboard, I'd draw up this diagram and everyone would be in awe and they'd understand what I'm saying. You see, these are roles that people have in the church, and I believe that every single one of us has a strength in that area, where you just fit the best. Now, what's the problem with this? Have you ever met an evangelist who just says, we need to get out there, you're all doing so bad, you're all hopeless, you should be out sharing the good news with everyone, it's easy. Ever, ever met anyone like that? And all you feel is guilt, condemnation, I'm not good enough, right? And then you get the pastor saying, well, no, all we've got to do is gather everyone. We've all got to gather and look after and love one another. Don't worry about sharing the good news. It's all about us growing together and establishing a base and not reaching out because it's not time yet. Ever met people like that? <laughs> I have. I have. And what we can do is tend to project our gift on other people, but God is saying each one of you has a special gift, and together they make up this thing called the church, the body of Christ. And they're not to be in competition with each other, but they're meant to be harmony together. So that the evangelists, of course, they're excited about reaching people, and it's easy for them. It's a gift, nothing to do with them. Of course, the pastor wants to gather and love people because it's a gift. Nothing to do with them. Of course the teacher wants to expound the word of God and everyone should be reading their Bible 10 hours a day and getting the deep meanings and knowing everything about who God is. And you're all bad for not doing that. You need to know more and then you'll know Christ more. It just puts guilt and condemnation. And what God is saying that each one of us has a different part to play. The whole point is that we can all build each other up. And it doesn't mean that I don't evangelize. So Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, said, Timothy, to do the work of an evangelist. Even though I'm not gifted in that way, I have to learn how to do it. How do I share the gospel? Even though I'm not gifted in teaching, I have to learn how to at least give a good explanation of what the gospel is. And who helps me to do that? The teacher who's gifted. They'll come and they'll explain to me the word of God and blah 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 and you go away with this much of they said that much but it's equipped you to go and do the ministry they've put something into your life the apostles are like guys we need to look further than where we are we need to plant some churches ah oh, but i'm really comfortable here Yes, you are. It's not your gift, but the Apostle's always looking forward. How can we do this? How can we grow the church? Because it needs to happen. But then once we grow the church and the Apostle moves on, we need a pastor in there to help look after it. We need an evangelist to spread the good news, to draw people in. And then we also need the other gifts that we talk about, the gifts of hospitality, helps, um, service, administration. And we need the special gifts of God in our meeting where his power just shows up. I love that. I love it when, when I, I read, you know, this is the same Holy Spirit who does miracles amongst you. That's the Holy Spirit that works in your midst. Isn't that what we want to see? That when we gather together in corporate worship, there's these gifts happening where the Holy Spirit is doing miracles amongst us. As if He's moving amongst their aisles, just touching people and doing something in their life. Those special gifts. So really when we look at these here, I'd like you to start to think, is it possible that Neil's actually right? <laughs> that, that's my last name by the way, if you don't know him. Yeah. <laughs> is it possible that sometimes we've narrowed those five gifts way too much? Is it possible that each one of you has one of those gifts in your life that is actually here to equip the body? Because as I said, one pastor can't equip everyone. One teacher can't equip everyone. But if you're in a home group or in a, in a group of friends and, and you've got this gift of teaching, it's not, meant, it's not a position, you understand that, right? It's a role that you're filling in the body. So when you gather together, there's usually someone in your group that you look at and they speak and they're like, wow. I never saw that before. Why? Because they're gifted to teach. Is there someone in your group that's like, come on, guys, we need to share the gospel. Have you done it this week? And we're like, I didn't really think about that. (laughs) I was too busy teaching. No, um, They're just like, they're pushing us towards evangelism. Why? Because that's their gift and God's asking us all to do it. But they're there to what? Show how good they are? to tell you how many notches they've got on their belt this week because they went out to the streets and approached all these unknown people with un- unnamed friends and they got them saved and they're in heaven now and how many notches on your belt? And you're like, none. Doesn't mean you don't evangelise, but what it means is they're gifted to do it and it's nothing to do with them. Can you see how pride can come so quickly in when we never give it back to God? I'm so good, but all we're doing is operating in what God has given us. And so what I'd like to to say to you today is that each one of you has one of these things inside of you, and you might be neglecting it, you might be hiding it away, you might be going, I'm never with Christians, I'm never sitting and talking about Christ, I'm never encouraging anyone in faith. I want to encourage you to begin to think about that. It's impossible. In fact, it's, it's, it's just unheard of that anyone can be a Christian in isolation. It's just not biblical because we're part of a body and that means that we are called together to build each other up and equip each other. Okay. Just a couple of quick things to talk about in regard to that. When we are all walking in that gifting, it's going to bring maturity and stability to the body. There's immature and mature ways to use your gift. If you use it wrong, it's going to cause damage. But when you mature in it, it's really good. You can actually learn to walk in all of them as you mature, but you will always have a base gift. So there are times and seasons in your life where God's asking you to do something else. So, for example, God might say to me, Neil, you're a pastor, but I want you to teach in a Bible college for three years. And so then I developed that gift more. And you might have noticed that. I don't know if you've ever been around a place where there's lots of prophecy and you sort of start to get, oh, I feel something from God. It's like you're put in some place to develop that gift. I remember talking to um, the, the head of the Baptist Union of South Australia and we're talking about... A certain church he went to, and, and he's not really into spiritual gifts and prophecy and stuff like that all that much. He believes in it, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that stuff. What he says, and he goes, But when I'm at this church, he says, I always seem to get stirred up in my spirit and I get a word from God. I don't know if you remember the Old Testament story about Saul, there's a king in Israel called Saul. And he came upon this group of prophets. So in those days it was like you're a prophet and, you know, that's it. You're a priest or a king. Those are the three anointed services that they had. Well, he came upon this group of prophets and it said all of a sudden Saul began prophesying with them. It's like he came into that gift and touched it. And so we can learn to grow in all of them. It doesn't mean that you can't have prophetic words or, or look forward or look to build when God needs you to do it. And the other thing is don't think that you have to excel in them all. As I was saying, there's people that are gifted to evangelise. You don't have to be as good as them. There are people who are gifted to teach. You don't have to be as good as them. There are those who love gathering people. You don't have to be the same. And this is sometimes a problem. That we get this mindset in ourselves that oh, I've got to be everything all things to all men, but in a way that puts pressure on us. I've got to be able to do all these things and do them well, but God's gifted you for a certain purpose in the church to build it up. And we need to be comfortable and happy with that. We need to relax into it and enjoy ministry, not struggle with ministry, not want to find out more or be more in our gift. Just be who you are because a gift flows through you as the Holy Spirit works. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And the last one was be careful. As I've I've mentioned already, don't project your gift on others. And you see that in all sorts of areas, don't you? Someone who's a gifted worshipper. You should all be doing this, that and the other, but God's looking at the heart. You don't know what's in their heart. But a gifted worshipper will find it easy. They're just like, it's the place I belong. And we should all learn to worship, but to some it's a gift and we need to be careful we don't project that on others. So that's it. Something to think about and chew on. (laughs) And if you want to find out more, please come along to the Sunday afternoons if you can. All right, Or just give me a call and catch up for a coffee. That's okay too.